The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to be together this morning. Um, I just pray for this time, uh, for these moments, for us to open up your word and and hear it being taught. Um, We lift up Randall this morning, and thank you for um, the gifting that he's, you've given him as a teacher and preacher of your word. So we just pray your hand upon him as he shares uh, that your word would go forth um, and that uh, we would have ears to hear. Um, we lift up what's going on in the world today. Our hearts are heavy um, for the country of Ukraine and we lift up our people, especially we lift up um, our Christian brothers and sisters who are in fear and living in the midst of unknown, very difficult, difficult time and trial. Um, may, Lord, your, through your Holy Spirit, may you uphold them. Lord, may you bring resolution where we might not be able to see it at this time. May you bring healing. Um, May you bring hope. Thank you for this day. And again, we lift up Randall as he comes and shares. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Tim. All right, good morning, everyone. You know, the book of Acts is a book that we've been going through uh, since October 5th, 2020. Yeah, we're just finishing it up today. And so we started on our five-year anniversary, um, October 5th, 2020. And uh, this is our last message from the book of Acts. And as uh, 
Tim was praying this morning, I think this is a, a reminder to us that, that the church is, is not just us that are here in San Diego, but it's, it's brothers and sisters across the world, um, that we are connected because of Christ and what he's done. And so, yes, our hearts go out to, to our brothers and sisters um, in Ukraine and um, in Russia and around the world right now, as there's uh, just a lot going on. Um, but as we have been looking through the book of Acts, we've seen that there is, um, there's hope. There's hope in the midst of the darkness. There's hope uh, because of Jesus and what he's done. And uh, so today, we're going to be looking at Acts 28, verses uh, 23 through 31. And uh, we've been looking at how the Apostle Paul, uh, near the end of his life, uh, after experiencing suffering, after uh, suffering trial after trial, uh, really focused on finishing well, finishing well. And so today the message is entitled Finishing the Race, Finishing the Race. Uh, this week, a quote by George Whitfield has a challenge to me personally. It was something that I was thinking about as I was going on, on walks this uh, week. Um, and here's what it is. I'm never better than when I am on the full stretch for God. I am never better than when I am on the full stretch for God. That to me is a challenging quote. Because what he's saying is that for me to be at my best is to be spread thin and feel like I'm at the end of myself. I'm never better than when I am on the full stretch for God. Now, in this section of Acts, Paul is in the final stages of his life. Um, it has been entitled uh, The Sufferings of Paul by many scholars. And we've studied his life before Jesus, uh, Acts 7 through 9. We've, we've seen him persecuting the church. And um, then we see how he met Jesus in Acts 9. We've been able to study his three missionary journeys, which are now over. He's experienced trial after trial, storm after storm, physically, figuratively. Uh, he's been on the full stretch for God. And some of the last recorded words of Paul can be found in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 7, where he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, this word that he uses for departure here is, it's a sailing terminology. And basically, he's saying, I'm ready for my departure to be set out into sea into my next journey. That's where he's at. I finished the race. And for us, we, we think to ourselves, wow, yes, of course, of course, the Apostle Paul, of course he, he lived on the full stretch for God. But the question today as we look at the book of Acts is not just did Paul live this way, but, but what does Paul's faith in Jesus say to me, say to you? Should Paul's life compel us to ask the question, how do I finish well? What does that look like? At the beginning of this year, Tesla founder Elon Musk tweeted out, 
Let's make the roaring 20s happen. You're like, yeah, let's do that. And then you're like, wait, what happened in the roaring 20s? What happened at the end of the roaring 20s? Elon Musk is known for his jokes, sometimes not so good, um, and other times really funny. But we know what happened at the end of the roaring 20s. See, during the first part of the 1920s in the United States, the economy boomed because of mass production. Some of the wealthiest people during that time were Arthur Cutton, Albert Fall, Howard Hobson, Jesse Livermore, and Charles Schwab. Uh, Everything seemed great by worldly standards. But then, the infamous day, October 29, 1929, things changed. The Great Depression hit. Billions of dollars evaporated. Now, what happened at the end of the race for these men? Well, Arthur Cutton died of a heart attack right before being brought to court for tax evasion. Albert Fall went to prison for accepting a bribe and passed away in 1941. Howard Hobson lost most of his estimated $74 million and lived out of uh, the rest of his life in obscurity and in ill health, dying in a sanitarium in 1949. Jesse Livermore took his own life after Thanksgiving 1940. Charles Schwab was bankrupt when he died and left behind an estate with debts and obligations totaling over $300,000. For us, as we think about finishing well, this is a, a picture of what can happen in this world overnight. But what we see from Scripture is that in an instant, it all ends for us too. That spiritually, not just materially, but spiritually, we could be bankrupt and we could be caught in that moment, not expecting what would happen next. See, this is real-life examples of how the shifting sands of this world operates. Races with devastating results. But the Apostle Paul is running a different type of race, and he writes, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me, or to me, on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Wow. See, the end of Paul's race isn't getting darker, but it's getting brighter. Thomas Brooks, a pastor, once said, a, a Christian knows that death should not be the funeral, or the Christian knows that death shall be the funeral of all his sins, his sorrows, his afflictions, his temptations, his vexations, I love that word, his oppressions, his persecutions. He knows that death shall be the resurrection of all his hopes, his joys, his delights, his comforts, his contentments. See, the Apostle Paul is not going to be caught off guard on that day when he says he's going to be departing from this world. And so what can we learn from the Apostle Paul about finishing the race? about finishing the race. Our text is from Acts 28, 23 through 31. And just to give some background, at this point, Paul has finally arrived in Rome. Um, It happens in verse 14. It's been three years since he wrote a letter 
uh, which many of us know, it's the book of Romans. He wrote the, the book of Romans to them three years before he had arrived there, and it's been two and a half years between when he received the call from God to go to Rome, which we'd studied from Acts 23, verse 11, and actually arrived. And the book ends with this cliffhanger. Two and a half years it took him to get to Rome. He's finally there. Cliffhanger. Why? Well, Tony Morita, who's a commentator, says, Luke has taken us for quite a journey. His writing is remarkable, but his ending might appear surprising and perhaps a bit frustrating. We've been leading up to Paul's trial before Caesar for many chapters now, but nothing is said about it here. Acts closes without telling us what happened to Paul. Why? Because Luke didn't intend to write a biography of Paul. Luke purposed to describe the acts of the Lord Jesus accomplished by the Spirit. You see, what we find is that this book book of Acts is not about the Apostle Paul. It's about Jesus. It's about how God's working in the world. That's why we can say that the book of Acts is not over, but it's actually still being written because it's left us with this cliffhanger. But the, the, the beautiful thing that we can do is we can start to piece together some of what happens in Paul's life and how he felt toward the end. And, and that's where 2 Timothy comes in because that's the last letter that he writes. And so how did Paul finish the race? Well, in today's text, we see three traits of, of, that Luke uh, highlights in this text. We, we see uh, three things, a consistency in what he believed, where he invested, and how he overcame. What he believed, where he invested, how he overcame. And so the first one is what he believed. Look at verses 23 through 24. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at this lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both the law from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Well, what's happening here? Well, Paul is, is meeting, as he, as he enters into Rome, he's, he's starting to meet with some of the Jewish leaders in Rome. And some have heard about him, uh, some have not. Uh, they didn't really know much about him, and so they heard that he was connected to Christianity, and so they wanted to hear more. And there's a crowd that forms both Jewish and non-Jewish listeners. And it says that Paul is teaching them. And so what is he sharing with them? Well, toward the end of Paul's life, we see that Paul is consistent in the message that he's been proclaiming the whole time about Jesus, about the gospel. It says that he was taking the Hebrew scriptures at this time, so what we would call the Old Testament, he was taking it, opening it up, showing to them from the prophets, from the law of Moses. So basically he was taking the Ten Commandments and saying, you know, many of you think that you can follow the Ten Commandments or that maybe seven or eight of them are pretty good but in God's standing. Basically what the Ten Commandments are trying to tell us is that you can't do it. You can't do it. And so you need a savior. You need a rescuer. What's he doing through the prophets? He's taking them through people like Isaiah and saying, hey, let me connect you to what Isaiah is saying and to what Jesus did. He's, he's taking the scriptures 
Not running from them, not, not saying, hey, I got some new ideas that I want to share with you about God, and, and, and so let me share those with you. No, he's connecting how it's all connected in Jesus. See, Paul is more solid. He's not watering down the message. He's not watering down the gospel, but he's consistent and solid in the scriptures and saying, this is one unified book. And he says, you want to know who it's about? It's about Jesus. See, for some of us, we might have grown up in church. We might have been told, hey, this is actually your rule book for life, and so this is how you need to follow the rules. And so we think that Christianity and, and, and the, the message of, of following God is, is about what am I doing and how can I follow God's rules? But the message of Christianity is saying, you know what, you've broken all the rules. <laughs> you, I, you have, I have, we all have. And there's actually one who's followed them perfectly, and it's the person of Jesus. It's God in the flesh. He came, and that's why it's good news. Because in our brokenness, in our darkness, in our desperation, God came. And he's the one that did it for us, and we couldn't do it for ourselves. See, here's the thing. How can you really tell what someone believes? Let me just encourage you. It's not the beginning of the race, but it's actually the end of the race. You see, it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. It's not the first day. It's the last day. And for me, what is it that I truly believe? What the Apostle Paul believes is that his convictions are strong, that it's about Jesus and God's kingdom. And it says that he was there from morning till evening. So Paul is patiently teaching the people, taking them through the scriptures, making the most of each day. It says he's expounded. And so why do we go from verse to verse? Because we're expounding what the word says. Right, this is, so, so there's something called exegesis and eisegesis. And basically it's the way that you break down the text. Exegesis, exa means out of. What is out of? What is coming out of the word? Eisegesis is I'm going to isolate a text, basically, and just kind of make it say what I want to say. But to exegesis, to bring out what is the context, what's going on here. So the, the Apostle Paul is patiently expounding the word, breaking down the word, helping them understand. And he's trying to convince them that it's about Jesus. He's saying, hey, this, this is, I, he's doing the exact same thing that Jesus does at the end of Luke. I don't know if you remember Jesus rode to Emmaus. There's two disciples walking, and, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, but it's these two disciples are walking, they're discussing what happened with Jesus, and then Jesus comes right alongside them. He comes right alongside, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, well, you know, you don't know what happened. There's this guy, Jesus, and they're saying that he's alive and all these things are happening. And he says, oh, well, tell me about that. And they, so they tell him what they know. And then Jesus says, well, actually, didn't you know that this was supposed to happen? And it says from that point, he, takes, he opens up the law and the prophets and he opens up to them and he basically tells them it was about Jesus the whole time. How does Jesus break down the Bible? He tells them it's about him. You want to know how to do a Bible study? Look at what Jesus did, okay? Jesus said, he's like, this was, this was all a story about how God was coming to save his people. And so 
we see that the Apostle Paul takes on that same mindset. Charles Spurgeon once said, he says, let this be the mark of true gospel preaching, where Christ is everything and the creature is nothing, where it is salvation all of grace through the work of the Holy Spirit applying to the soul the precious blood of Jesus. Right, you want to know what the message of the gospel is. You want to know what the message of Christ is. It's all about him. It's not about us. And then as we see that it's all about him, we are lifted up in him. We are given a new life. See, we live in a world right now where convictions change based on personal emotion, experience, popular opinion. We've seen many Christian influencers water down the word and water down the gospel or just walk away from it altogether. And we're confused. We're like, what happened? What's going on here? But I want you to know that what is happening now actually happened then. In 2 Timothy 4.10, at the end of Paul's life, here's what he says. He says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. You know, in the book of Philemon, Demas is one of the ones that's at the end of the book of Philemon where Paul says, yeah, Demas is with me. And so he was hanging out with Paul at that point, but you know what? At the end, it says that he, he deserted him. See, friends, it's about finishing well. Some of us have experienced this. Family, friends that were once believers no longer believe. Paul's convictions and what he believed wasn't based on his personal emotions, his experience, what was popular. It was based on the convincing work of Jesus Christ and how the word of God and Jesus, the life of Jesus came together. That's what convinced him. Yes, he, 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 he experienced Christ in a tangible way. But for you and me, friends, the message of the gospel is that Christ fulfills the law. He fulfills the prophets. 1 Peter 1, 24 through 25 says, all flesh is like grass and it's glory like the flower, or a glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the, the flower f- falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is good news that he was, that was preached to you. Friends, it's the word of God that goes into eternity, past, present, future. It's solid. It's, it's foundational. And for us, we'll either say, yeah, it's either my emotions and how I feel or whatever that's going to trump God's word, or I'm going to say, okay, let me come under God's word and see what that says and let that filter my life. The Apostle Paul says, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, I'm, that's going to be my foundation. That's going to be my rock. Because you know the thing, friends? My emotions, my feelings, my experiences change all the time. They do. But what it says here is that the word of the Lord, it never changes. And so, second, it's where he invested. Look at verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. And so the first part it talks about, it says he lived there for two whole years at his own expense. Now, uh, Paul, though temporary, and here's the thing, at the end of the day, everything's temporary, right? But (laughs) though temporary, invested in where God had placed him. He's not wasting his time, dreading his future or waiting on heaven. 
He's fully engaged in the moment that he's in. Fully engaged. Now, there's this term here, at his own expense. Now, there's this debate of translation. It's funny. It's like in the ESV, it says, um, at his own expense. and uh, the NIV, it says that he lived in a rented home. And so they're like, okay, well, which, which is it? But I kind of, I think it's pretty cool that, that the translation can actually mean both. Because what this could mean, as you start to tease it out a little bit, is this. He knows it's temporary. He's living in a rented home but he's going to invest where he's at, at his own expense. See, either way, the message is that it's temporary, but it cost him. It cost him. See, Paul was willing to invest each day where God had placed him to be because he believed that God had placed him there. Not missing the moment, but, but he's saying, all are welcome to come. I love that because next he says, welcoming all who came to him. Friends, we need to hear this. We need to hear this. In an article entitled Staying is the New Going, uh, author Alan Briggs writes, One, or our eyes are constantly lifting from our communities and people right around us to find the next place God will call us. Sociologist Peter Berger refers to this transience as psycho-spiritual homelessness. I call it paying spiritual rent. But we need to learn to pay spiritual mortgages right where we're at. All Christians are to be sent ones. The American church is starting to catch on to the missional side of going well. But we are largely devoid of the incarnational side of staying well. Of staying well. I think about this church. We rent this facility. But I will tell you that this church is about a spiritual mortgage in this community. What is God doing? What are the lives that God's touching? Because you don't know the investment. I don't know the investment. I don't know till it gets to the end and I'm standing before God. But that the God of the universe could say, yeah, you have purpose right now where you're at. And that if you're moving from one place to another, that actually I'm with you and working through you and got a plan for you in that place. That's what we've learned through the book of Acts. It says it, that God sets time, seasons, places, people, that God is sovereign. See, the apostle Paul didn't know what this investment would mean because he was there for two years, but it says that he was there paying the cost of being there, investing where he was at, and you know the thing, through, through this investment, we know of at least one who came to faith in Jesus. We don't know all the fruits of what Paul is enduring here because he's talking to, to them and he's saying, okay, most of the people he's talking to at this point in this last chapter said some believed, some disbelieved, but we know that there was one that actually believed. It's Onesimus, a runaway servant that you can read more about in that short book of Philemon. And that one life was worth the investment for Paul. Maybe that's why we only know that there was one. But the fact that there was one during those two years of being there, it mattered to God. And friends, it challenges us and reminds us 
that each day we're here, we're not wasting it, but we're investing it. And that's what it's encouraging us to do today. And lastly, how he overcame. Look at verse 31. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. See, if somebody were to walk into Paul's home, they would see that he was under house arrest. On the outside, Paul was ending his life as a prisoner in chains. Not too long from this point, he would be standing before Nero. Nero was an extreme persecutor of the church. He looked like, on the, in the world's eyes, much like Jesus did when he was on the cross. A criminal. But on the inside, he was free. He was free. See, it says he was bold. This word means that he was open, he was confident, not because of the exterior of what it looked like on the outside, but what was happening on, on the inside. What God had done on the inside of his life, he was free. See, how did Paul overcome? How, how was he so bold? Paul might have been imprisoned, but the message of the gospel was not. The gospel message is much bigger than Paul. And that's Luke's point as he ends Acts. Commentator Darrow Box says, despite all the obstacles we see in Acts, the book ends with the gospel going out unhindered. For wherever the gospel is shared, there's offered an open door to the presence of God. No matter how tension-filled or restricted life is, God is the hero of Acts. And the plot line is how he reveals his word through Jesus and a faithful church. God will make sure it happens, and so will a faithful church. See, this message of the gospel was going out unhindered, and it was much bigger than even the Apostle Paul. And so the ways that he overcame was knowing that this message was bigger than him. See, for us, many times we get wrapped up at the end of our life and say, what's my legacy? What is, how is this about me? But we don't see the, the Apostle Paul struggling with that because he says, I'm serving a God that's much bigger and greater than I am. And that's actually how he overcame. Whatever he was experiencing on the outside, there was a freedom that he was experiencing on the inside because of what Jesus had done. And so just some takeaways for today. How can we finish well? How can we finish well? The first one is examine your beliefs. Examine your beliefs. You know, for many of us, the, the way that we operate when it comes to what we believe and what we don't believe is basically just through however I'm feeling today. Right? But, but the gospel message actually speaks into our today. It speaks into the emotions that we're feeling. The, the, the things that we're going through. And so the, the way that many times we do it is we say, okay, this is my emotions, this is my experiences, this is what filters how I view the word. 
But what I'm, I'm encouraging us to do, because this is where we see that if God is who he says he is, if God is who he says he is, then it's actually in the reverse order. It's actually like this. And that the word of God filters my life. Because if God is who he says he is, it's not just that I read the Bible, but the Bible reads me. And if you are willing to come into scripture reading like that and saying, Lord, read me and what I'm going through right now. Filter me. Search me, oh God. Like David says. What would happen in our lives? See, we live in a critical generation. And we can get so critical that we don't even know what we're critical about anymore. We, we confuse ourselves. And, and friends, what that is, is just the blind leading the blind. But if Jesus is who he says he is and he says he gives sight to the blind, he, he gives ears to the deaf because you remember what, what the scripture says it says go to this people and say you will indeed hear but never understand you will indeed see but never perceive for the people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed to pray that humble prayer Lord that could actually be me right now Lord open my ears Lord, help me to see. Lord, my heart is actually cold towards you. Please stir in my heart and warm my heart towards you, God. Do you know the natural bent of who we are? We just lean into ourselves. <laughs> but to pray these prayers of God, help me to overcome this by your grace is a prayer that God answers every time. Every time. Those who seek him humbly, he responds. Second, invest right now. Invest right now. You know, this has been a, a, a challenging time for, for me and my family as we think about like, okay, we're, we're renting, but then we have to move soon to another place. And we're like, okay, but it's, it's got me thinking pretty deeply on this whole mentality, and for me, the, the thing that, that sticks out the most is, am I going to be a spiritual renter and live like that, or am I going to live with that spiritual mortgage and, and, and say, no, I'm fully invested wherever God places me. So the prayer we've been praying is, Lord, place us next to the people where you need us to be. That's it. This is where we're at places where we need to be and would you have that type of mindset would you have that type of mindset to say Lord would you place me where you want me to be and help me to invest right now because you don't know who the next Onesimus could be you don't know I don't know but God knows because maybe you were that person I know I was so who is God placing you next to, and will I invest right now? Right now. And lastly, remember who overcomes. Remember who overcomes. 
Why did Paul have this type of boldness? Why did he have this type of character? Why did he have this type of investment of where he was at? Even though he was going to face one of the most intimidating, um, I mean, mean, ferocious Caesars, leaders. I couldn't even imagine like what's in the back of his mind, right, as he's about to stand before Caesar. Like how can he have this boldness and this freedom? Because he knew who stood over that Caesar. He knew who overcame. In John 16, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. It's gonna happen. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Who overcame the world? Jesus overcame the world. You overcome the world. Get on it. Figure it out. Now Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Will I believe that Jesus has overcome the world? And will I allow that to be the peace that I live in each day? Will I allow that to be the courage that I take when he says, take heart? Friends, as we wrap up, I wanted to wrap up really with the, the, the last words of Paul and, and, and a thought that kind of goes along with it because this helps us to see the gospel today. 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 18, Paul says this, at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. I want you to think about that for a minute. At the end of this life, the investment that he'd made in people's life, who was standing by him? Who was sticking up for him? He says, all deserted me. John Stott says this is, this is Paul's Gethsemane moment. Remember Gethsemane, Jesus in Gethsemane by himself praying, all his friends desert him. But then he says this, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth and the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When all deserted him on the outside, when he looked like a prisoner on the outside, when everything looked like he was falling apart on the outside, when he looked like he was all alone, he says that the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. This word for strengthen means to bind up wounds. He's saying that that Jesus actually was, was binding my wounds. He was healing me right on the, right in the spots. And he says, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. I want to end with this thought. It's from Timothy Keller. It's really helpful for this. He says, God will always rescue me, sometimes from suffering, but sometimes through it. What does the word rescue mean? The only disease that can really kill you is sin. The only debt that can really sink you is the debt of sin. Sin. 
Therefore, when God rescues you, he comes to you, he embraces you, he wants your good, he wants to turn you into something great. Therefore, he rescues you. Friends, in this world you will have trouble. And many of you are facing difficulties and troubles that feel like it's gonna take you down, it's gonna sink you. But ultimately, I want to tell you that the only thing that can really sink you is sin. It's sin. And do you know the only one who's taking care of that? It says that he was alone and deserted by his friends. And on the cross, what did Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only one who was truly alone in the horrors of sin was Jesus Christ. And when we see that, when we believe that, when we, we say, man, that, that's, that's my everything, that's gonna help me to keep running this race when it's difficult, when it's hard, when I wanna give up, but I'm gonna hold on to his word even though everything in me doubts it right now. I'm gonna hold on to his word when there's fear that's gripping my heart. I'm gonna hold on to his word because I know that the word is not just a set of rules, it's a person. Jesus says, he's the word. And the word became flesh. And the word dwelt among us. And the word is the one who's gonna get us through to the end. We believe that today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the book of Acts, for how it speaks to us today, for how it challenges us to believe even in, in our unbelief, even in our moments where we just want to give up, Lord, even in the moments where we just want to say, I don't know about that. I, I just want to change that because that doesn't fit what I think. Lord, we know that it says your word is truth and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to invest right now and help us to overcome when it feels like everything else in the world is overcoming us. We put our faith in you and our trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.